Feeling better? Looking better. Making life better. It's Life Tips. Life, life, life. We'll explore the latest innovations, introduce you to the latest products, and bring you the tips from experts and environmental pioneers to help you lead a better life. Life Tips. Life Tips. Life tips. Making your life smarter, better, faster, wiser. Here are your hosts. Welcome back to the Life Tips Show, everyone. Byron White here. I'm here with Amy Elizabeth. Amy, welcome. Oh, thank you, Byron. How are you this afternoon? Fine, thank you. I'm excited to, to chat with you about it. Now, you were the author of a fabulous uh, topic that I'm sure that uh, will will ask spark lots of questions for me and everyone else listening in. The, the title of the book is Poverty Sucks, How to Become a Self-Made Millionaire. Let's just talk about the title alone. There's a lot of meaning in that. Um, <laughs> tell me a little okay. bit about your brazen approach to let's just go right at it with a title. Uh, well, uh, I got the idea for the title, the first part, Poverty Sucks. When I was very poor, I saw a $12 poster of this really smug-looking guy holding a glass of champagne leaning against a Bentley, and the caption said, Poverty Sucks. And I just thought it was mm. hilarious, but I also thought it was very motivational. So I bought the poster for 12 bucks, and that's what inspired the title of the book. Terrific. Now, your story, of course, is a long, uh, long one, I'm sure, and, and we, we're going to be asking lots of questions today. But in general, could you offer maybe just a one- or two-minute sort of synopsis of, of what you wrote about, you know, where the book takes us from point A to point B? Certainly. Uh, I was a broken, homeless teenage girl at age 15, and I never received any foster care, government, or charitable assistance, no money from family or friends. And at age 20, I started my first business, retired at age 38 after selling my fourth, and I want to teach everybody else how to become a self-made millionaire, too. Terrific. Now, let's talk about where it all began. You were sort of kicked out of the house um, at age 15. Tell yes. us about that experience, but also what motivated that. That's kind of an unusual um, thing to say the, the very least for that to have something like that to yeah, happen. Yeah, the motivation, I believe, was my parents' deteriorating marriage. Uh, they both drank too much, and Dad was cheating, and somehow I got caught in their marital tug-of-war. Um, mm. And so one night when Dad was out of town, I came home, and my key wouldn't work in the lock because my mom had the screen door locked, and I thought, well, that's strange, and I rang the doorbell. And she came downstairs drunk and opened the one door, but not the screen door. And she says to me, what do you want? I said, oh, I guess I don't live here anymore. Can I get my school books? And she says, come in and get your clothes. You're not coming back. I said, okay. Wow. That's yeah. probably a fairly powerful uh, memory for you to even talk about as I'm sitting here listening to that. Uh, yes, it is. What did you will never What did you do at that particular moment? What were you thinking? What What, what was uh, calm, cool, collected, collect and gather your stuff, walk out? What was that like? Um, you know, honestly, it was like I, the happiest day of my life. I was escaping the insane <laughs> asylum. I could not be happier. I was thrilled. That that's that's very interesting, and I'm sad to think that a lot of people probably feel that way. But let's face it, it was probably very difficult for you. Where did you physically go that night, for example? What, what did you do? Um, I didn't really have any place to go that night. Um, 
so, you know, I just tried to stay safe, like, you know, near the edge of the woods, but not like in the woods where like creepy crawlies or strange men could find me and, you know, waited till daylight. And lucky for me, um, I had always saved up lots of money from odd jobs I'd had. And so I had a little in a savings account. And so next day I bought a newspaper and went apartment hunting. Well, slum hunting is more like it. <laughs> Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Did you find a place quickly to yes, locate I did. yourself? I was very fortunate to find something quickly. Did you find a place quickly to locate yourself? Yes, I did. I was very fortunate in that. There was a kindly black lady who didn't ask for any ID and happily took my money, and that's good because I had no ID. <laughs> and, and tell me a little bit about how you dealt with school. Uh, well, I just kept going to school for like the first year and a half, you know, the 10th grade and the 11th grade. I, I kept carrying my books to school with me every single day. I, I don't think I had admitted to myself that I'd given up on school yet, but I could never stay awake in my classes because I was exhausted from working 40 hours a week after school every day and walking to school, walking to work, walking back again. And finally, my senior year, I just quit lying to myself and never car- never carried a book home again. <laughs> You graduated from 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 high school miraculously, mm-hmm. and that was several years later, right? You, you right. worked part time. You somehow fed yourself. You took care of yourself. You were determined to make it through high school. You were a good student, um, and you made it through high school. That then, which is a miracle, by the way, <laughs> that in itself Agreed. is an achievement. Um, Agreed. Tell us about the next chapter. Uh, the next chapter. Um, my parents and family, you know, my, my two brothers were moving to uh, another part of the state, and I just couldn't stay in the town where my family wasn't anymore. It, it just mm-hmm. was too painful, it, which is, I, I don't know, they say running away isn't an answer, but I just had to move to another state and another small town and start over, so that's what I did next. And what, what, where, what state did you move to? Uh, I moved to Massachusetts for six months. Interesting. Whereabouts? Uh, where was that? It was a very small town in between Gloucester and Manchester on Cape Ann. What in the heck was the name of it? Essex? Um, no, it wasn't even on the Massachusetts maps. Um, Anasquam? Oh. No, um, right in between Gloucester oh. and Manchester on Cape Ann. I can't think of it at the moment. I'm sorry. No, that's okay. We'll, we'll think of it. So you you were only there for six months, and and um, right, and that was after you graduated from from high school, correct? Correct. Yeah. Got it. So you moved to Massachusetts. What was your goal and ambition in in coming to Massachusetts besides start over again? Um, well, I had a couple of roommates that were moving there, and I asked if I could go, and they said yes, and so it it gave me you know, a couple of friends to room with and cheaper rent because then I don't have to pay for the place all by myself. And I had, you know, a tiny bit of money left. And so I just started over, got a new crappy job shredding lettuce at a salad place, eight hours a day on my feet shredding lettuce. There could not be a bigger suck job ever. (laughs) (laughs) Do you talk about that suck job in your book? Uh, yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, have you ever tried to calculate how many heads of lettuce you did, in fact, shred? 
Um, no, because my fingers were going so numb, like within the first hour, because they were right out of the walk-in cooler. And, you know, so they start to go numb, so you really can't shred very quickly or very well. And then the manager's getting mad because I'm not moving fast enough, and I'm thinking, you try this. <laughs> How about rotating us through? Don't give just one person this job for eight freaking hours, you know. <laughs> but it was all so I could I, mean, I had no... Pardon? I was going to, I was going to say, from, from green lettuce to money, let's try to uh, be, become a millionaire. Let's try to help uh, help us understand how that happens. So did you end up going to college in the East um, Coast? Here, I, have, or? Um, I have two semesters of college behind me at community colleges. One uh, was at Tom's River Community College in New Jersey, and one was in Dallas at Brookhaven College. Uh, but they didn't, they didn't help me either. It was just like high school. It was no practical anything. It was just I tested out of most of my classes anyway, and uh, it, it just seemed like a waste of time and money. The first company you started, tell us about that. Um, that, I was 20 years old, and it was after I had quit my insurance job, and I was uh, trying to figure out a way to earn money in the mail uh, you know, without having to go out and work for it again. And anyway, I started my first business when I was 20, and... Uh, it was a fashion show business where we did lounge entertainment for holiday inns and local nightclubs to raise the happy hour. And uh, it was a lot of fun. I had it nine years, and I ended up making more money than my dad, who was a senior bank vice president. So I was pretty pleased with myself. Hmm. Interesting. Your, your dad was a senior vice president of a bank? Yep. Interesting. And he allowed at the time that you were actually kicked out of your house by your mom. Was your mm -hmm. dad still in that role as a VP at a bank? Uh, yes. Wow. And yeah. he just thought it was okay with what was happening. He was divorcing your your mom. Is that correct at the time? Um, was... No. No, dad was busy banging his 18 year old secretary. And when I begged him to help me, uh, when mom started, you know, making me public enemy number one for no good reason, I begged him to help me, and he refused. I didn't know it wow. at the time. I found out later, but now I realize he didn't want to upset his little apple cart. You know, he might miss out on some action with his new girl, so he couldn't be bothered. And uh, wow. it, it's also a little funny because I grew up in Westchester County, New York, which is one of the wealthiest places in the nation. I mean, a homeless teen is unheard of there. They didn't, I don't think anyone knew what to do with me. <laughs> All right. So you sold that business. Tell us, tell us about yes, that. I who, 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 who approached you to purchase that business? Uh, well, actually, um, I, no, I approached um, my manager to see if she'd like to buy it from me. And, uh, you know, she already knew, you know, I mean, I could take off months at a time and do nothing and she could run the whole thing and was great at it and honest as the day is long. And so I offered it to her and, and we made arrangements and she bought it from me and, and then I moved to Las Vegas. Whoa. Okay. So tell us about Las Vegas and, and your, your next, your next, uh, thing that you wanted to conquer besides working your way out of poverty and homelessness and high school and, walking away from college, starting a business. Okay, Las Vegas. Tell us about okay. that experience. Um, Las Vegas, I started two businesses here. Um, one was a pet sitting business that I thought would be fun, but probably not tremendously profitable, but would grow fast. 
And the other was an indoor plant care business um, where we did live and silk plant sales and service. And I figured that would grow slower but make me the most money. So I started them at the same time to keep me occupied. And it, it was exactly as I predicted. The, the pet business grew fast. The plant business grew slow but larger. And when it grew large enough, I sold off the pet business and focused on the plant business. And that's the one I retired from. Hmm. So you, you you sold the pet business. How large was the pet business when you when you sold it? How many how many dogs and cats and probably some other animals that you were caring yeah. for? Yeah, um, I probably had about a hundred clients at the time. Hmm. And you had residual income, obviously. You you had weekly stints or daily stints, and how many people were working for you to manage a hundred clients and? Um, I probably had between 10 and 15 at the peak. Mm-hmm. And what was that business like? Was that a turbulent business in terms of the actual workers working for you, or was it fairly stable? Um, that one was fairly stable. I, I had some good workers in that so that I could rely on and send them out, and, and so that went well. What about the indoor you know, animal lovers business? are good people. Um, that was that was a fun business um, and uh, my most profitable before I retired. I ended up having most all of the major hotel casino accounts in town, which are the golden accounts to get. And uh, I had that ten years and then sold it and retired. Well, it's really the third time you've retired, so <laughs> you yeah, keep coming I keep, out of I keep retirement. Because, well, all my businesses, I make them so I don't have to work them if I don't want to. I do the business automation. And if I do right. choose to work at all, I just I don't want to work more than two or three hours a day because that's just all I want to do. I, I like to joke I'm not actually ambitious. I'm lazy. But I had to create a giant pile of money so that I could support my lazy lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Tell me, there is a fourth business. No, is there is another business? Uh, there was a fourth was business um, that was in Dallas. Um, I started it uh, during the last year of my plant business. It was a nightclub, and all I can say and is, did you sell that as well? Nightclub. Yes, I sold that Don't as well. Don't start a nightclub. Don't start a nightclub. <laughs> Don't start a nightclub. That's, got that's it, my got strongest it. recommendation. Well, we've talked about the businesses, but let's take a break, and when we come back, we want to talk about both the book and your persona and your your incredible uh, story of of, uh, literally poverty to to riches. So let's take a quick break, everybody, and back with some really deeper insight into the psyche of Amy Elizabeth. Back in a minute. Life Tips will be right back after this short break. Building better search engine rankings takes the right formula. Tracking those rankings is super simple. All you need is AuthorityLabs.com. Authority Labs uses automated daily rank tracking tools to monitor your site's performance or leverage their API to build your own tools. No matter what animal-labeled algorithms affect your ranking, you should be using Authority Labs. Unlimited users for no additional cost and white labeling can help keep your clients updated and save countless hours of creating reports. Whether you're running sites with just a few or millions of keywords, what you need is AuthorityLabs.com. Oh yeah, my day is done. Time for happy hour. You're already done for the day? 
Yeah, because I use CertifiedKnowledge.org. Their PPC tools literally save me hours every day. How do you keep on top of all of Google's new features? Easy. With Certified Knowledge, their interactive learning modules keep me up to date. And if there's something I don't know, I can watch their video lessons without having to hunt around the Google help files. Great. I'm ready to expand my knowledge. Hi, I'm Brett Geddes. I'm the only leader officially supported by Google to teach the advanced track of the AdWords Seminars for Success. I personally recommend CertifiedKnowledge.org as your one-stop shop for all your PPC needs. Learn. Optimize. Connect. Be smart. Go to CertifiedKnowledge.org now. Do you look at the task of ranking your site at the top of the search engines like you would climbing the top of Mount Everest? It doesn't have to be. TopSEOs.com knows how hard that climb can be, and they can make top ranking a reality. Top SEOs send you to only the right search vendors and agencies that they know will work for you. Since 2002, TopSEOs.com has reviewed and researched the best search engine marketing agencies and solutions providers. Don't risk the cost of falling off the proverbial peak of search rankings. Let Top SEOs give you peace of mind. TopSEOs.com, the independent authority on search vendors. Warning. Listening to WebmasterRadio.fm daily may cause webmaster insomnia and an increase in your company's profits. WebmasterRadio.fm. Stay up with us all night long. WebmasterRadio.fm. We're everywhere. And now back to Life Tips. Making your life smarter, better, faster, and wiser. Here are your hosts. Amy, welcome back. Fascinating story here. Thanks for being on the show. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you, Byron. So have there been some psychiatric bills along the way here? I mean, this is <laughs> mind-blowing to me. Um, this is quite a story. And, you know, I can, I, I, I'm half-joking when I say that, but right. really. But not really. Are there ramifications with this childhood experience you went through how did that make its way out um yeah it was difficult for me because i didn't want to let go of my family um you know i'm a problem solver by nature that's why i'm good at business uh but i finally got some therapy probably 11 12 years ago and i came to the conclusion that i had actually lost my family when i was 15 i just didn't accept it until i was 38 and once I accepted it, this great peace just came over me. I still love them. Mm-hmm. I wish them well. I just never want to see them again. <laughs> mm-hmm. It sounds Good strange, but it's all true. Yeah. I'm sure it is. So no no contact really. When was the last time you had contact with them? Not that we want to remember that, but I'm curious with the story. At what point in your incredible success ride did you sever the relationship with them officially and like out of my life? Uh, that would have been when I was 38, and I sent my parents letters, and you know, I, I basically said, look, this is what happened when I was 15. You were both drunk, dad's cheating, blah, blah, blah. Uh, you, I've never been able to forgive you for the way you treated me, but I'd like to forgive you. I said, but the only way I can do that is if you're actually sorry. <laughs> I said, so if you're willing to send me a written apology admitting to what you've done and giving me a sincere apology. I'll forgive you. I'll never bring this up again. And I think we can all have a much happier, healthier relationship. 
never heard from them again. And I grieved for about two weeks, which I probably should have done when I was 15, but I cried my eyes out for like two weeks straight, morning, noon, and night, couldn't stop. And then like after two weeks, this great feeling of peace just came over me. And I can remember the fond memories, and there were fond memories, uh, without any pain. And, you know, I wish them well. I wish them happy. I just wish to never see them again because I deserve to be treated with a certain amount of courtesy and respect. And no matter how successful I became or how nice I tried to be to them, it didn't matter. I was always treated like the black sheep of the family, and I just finally had had enough. Any brothers or sisters? Uh, Yes. Um, Two brothers in that family and a half-brother and a half-sister in another family. Hmm. The two brothers from that family, do you have contact with them? No. None. No, no. They went over to the dark side. Got it. (laughs) And can you imagine if they, how they perceived of you being all of a sudden out of your life? I mean, Westchester County, I mean, that's a pretty intense uh, area from a wealth perspective. I grew up playing with the Rockefeller grandchildren. Did reach out to them? Wow, yeah. No. Did... No, no, no other no, parents reached out to them. Um, reached no. out and shook them and said, "What are you thinking?" No. Wow. Older yeah. brothers or younger? Um, I had an older and a younger. And after that evening, did you have any contact with them? After that, did, I mean, they went to the same high school, right? So they, you, know, you saw them. Uh, school, yeah, my right? older brother went to the same high school as me. Yeah, he just. He had quit speaking to me long before I got kicked out of the house. He was following mom's example. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, my little brother. And why was um, that? What was what was the theory there? On, on I on believe, his... of course, I'll never know for sure, but I believe he was always jealous of me. Unfortunately, back in that day, you know, they didn't have all the psych books on parenting, and they're always like, "Why can't you be more like your, your sister Amy? You know, she gets the good grades, she does good in sports, she has all these friends, and you know." So he was. I'm sure that didn't make him like me a whole bunch. <laughs> and so I think he was just always jealous of me. And once I was gone, it was like, hey, cool, now I can be the star, the family favorite, you know. And, hey, congratulations, keep the prize. <laughs> you're, you're an extremely high achiever. Um, you probably recognize that early in your life, um, you know, and sometimes – you simply outgrow parenting or even schooling, um, right? You know, and do you feel like that may have happened to you and been part of this world that you were in, in that you couldn't learn much from your parents, you weren't advancing yes. your own adolescence, and it was more than just you know pathetic parenting, obviously going on, and 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 this was a problem. Did did you sense that about your your experience so far? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I, unfortunately, or fortunately, whichever way you want to look at it, I, I knew I was smarter than my folks when I was like three or four years old. And that doesn't bode well for the parent-child relationship. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, and Many I was adopted, so I wasn't there. Built. Really? You were adopted? Yeah. You were adopted? Yes, I was. Another fact. Thank God I don't have their genetic story. material. <laughs> Pardon? Wow, that's a critical element to this story. Unbelievable. Well, what age was it that you were, were you adopted? I was a baby. Mm-hmm. Okay, so they took you. So on, I don't recall anything else. 
Yeah. Did, have you taken the time to find out your your parents, your your real? Uh, um, I actually never looked for my birth mother, but she located me when I was 18 years old. Wow. Yeah. What was she like? Um, we looked identical. We sounded identical. We even dressed in the same color clothing on the day we met. Um, we liked the same foods. We instantly bonded personality-wise. And mm-hmm. I was so delighted to think that I had finally found a mother that actually wanted me because my adopted mother told me and my father that she never wanted to adopt me. So I'm sure that didn't help things either. Mm, wow. Yeah. What happened then with, with your birth mother? Um, unfortunately, she was an emotionally damaged woman who lied to me at every turn. She told me that she was stabbed and raped and left for dead, and that's how she came to be pregnant with me. And I believed that horrible lie for 10 years before I found out it wasn't true. Uh, she had me baptized, and she had my father's name listed on the baptismal, and she won't allow the church to give me the information. But I've hunted down who my birth father is to my satisfaction, and I believe I know exactly who he is, and I send him a letter, and he denies it, but um, that's fine. I look just like him, too. So, you know, I, did, I wasn't looking for a new daddy. Uh, I just wanted the mystery solved, and, and mm. I believe I've solved it. So mm. that's kind of all behind and, me, and too. When, when did that dis- – <laughs> I feel like I'm <laughs> – should apologize for surfacing all of these, these, no, no, these okay. this story, but it, it's you've wrote, written a book about it, and it's probably all public and, and wonderful. And I'm really so intrigued with with this. It's, it's a remarkable uh, story. Um, oh, thanks. When did you when did you find out about or, or, or draw the conclusion on on what you who you're perceiving to be your your real father? Was that about, you said 10 years after in the discovery point and learning that your mom had been lying for so long. Is is that correct when you were 28, basically? Yeah, uh, okay. yeah that'd be about right. Uh-huh. And, I'm sorry, and, and did you have again? a relationship? <laughs> yeah, right. Did did you have a relationship with your mom then for, for that 10-year run, though, and, and see her a little bit I did, or a lot? And, or? Well, when I first met her and she learned the, you know, the freak show that my adopted family had turned into. Um, She invited me to come live with her and her family and my half-brother and half-sister and her husband and put me through college. And I thought, well, I always loved school and I loved learning and certainly couldn't hurt. And to have a a family that would actually love me and embrace me and want me sounded fantastic. So, And she promised to tell my half-brother and half-sister who I was and then when I got there, that was all a lie. I had to pretend to be a distant relative the whole time I lived there. Oh, my gosh. Wow. That's yeah. Just a... Yeah. That was you nice. Have... Like, su- surprise. <laughs> well, surprise perhaps, but I could only imagine what, how you felt from a relief perspective that somebody is going to love me. I'm not... I haven't, it's not me, I haven't done anything wrong, you know, right. finally somebody's, uh, you know, an angel has fallen from the sky here and everything's right. going to be okay, only to learn that you have to live in lies and, and you, right. wow, wow. Yeah, yeah. Whew. So betrayed. was there, uh, was, was was your birth mom married at that time or, or yes. not? Yes, she was, and, but and her what was husband, he like? of course, is not what, my what, father. Right, um, right. He was he was an ex-marine and deep down I believe a good man, 
but he clearly didn't want somebody else's child living under his roof. And he was often giving me suggestions on how to leave. Like, hey, you know, there's nothing wrong with going into the military to get your education. And I looked at him and I said, really? I said, uh, let me just ask you one quick question here. I said, if it was so effing great for you, why didn't you sign up for four more years? Mm-hmm. And he's, his mouth dropped open. I'm like, yeah, I'm not that stupid. <laughs> <laughs> it probably was a challenge for you. How long were you uh, living under? Three and a half months their, their was room? all I could stand. Uh, I, it. it was it was basically one semester of college, and I had about 300 bucks left in my savings account that I was saving for emergencies, and I considered my hostile living environment to be one. So I booked mm-hmm. a flight to Dallas, which is where my dad had moved when he finally did leave my mom when I was about 17 with the hmm. secretary, you know, that inspired him to abandon all his family responsibilities. So, mm-hmm. um, so you you I see you you tapped into into at least knowing somebody in Dallas, your your dad was there, correct? Yeah, you were and young. actually this, his this was yeah I was ahead, 18 yeah. then. Yeah, but his his girlfriend was actually she's three years older than me, and hmm. she was nicer and kinder and more loving to me than either my birth or adopted mothers, and we're still close do to you, this day. Oh, is that right? I was going to ask you. You still have a relationship mm-hmm. with her? Yes, I do. She's no longer married to my dad because there was like mm-hmm. a thirty-two year age difference. But <laughs> right, right. Um, right. But she's a, she's a very nice lady, and she's got two kids, and I'm close to them too, and they're they're just really good people. And as I always tell her, I'm like, you were too way too good for our family. <laughs> I don't blame you for leaving, not one bit. <laughs> but that must be a wonderful, in a strange way, connection point for your own turbulence in your life. To to know that there's somebody in your life that knew you at a young age that you know, has, has known, known you through this journey. I mean, that's that's almost like a family member to you, I would think, right? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. I'll always count yeah. her as, you know, like a big sister. And actually, my, mm-hmm. my high school boyfriend uh, was friends with my older brother, and his mom had been friends with my mom, and I dated him for like a year and a half after I got kicked out of the house. And they, mm-hmm. they treated me like gold also, and we're still close to this day as well. So it's yeah, they're like family. It's nice. Mhm. And and probably would you say with the success you've had that having those stable anchors around you and people that you you could feel close to was was an important part of of you know having the drive, continuing that drive, finding a way to make things work and 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 being as successful as you are. Oh, absolutely. Uh, especially my high school boyfriend's family, because they actually showed me what a happy, loving family was really like. <laughs> I didn't know what one of those was before. And, and they uh, welcomed they, you in their family? Oh, yeah. They they fed me dinner every single night that their son and I dated. And, you know, it was the only healthy meal I was getting a day. And, uh, you know, they they... They were Jewish, but they invited me over for Christmas dinner and bought me presents because they didn't want me to be alone on the holiday. I mean, how kind is that? It's just, you know, Mm. the the little things, you know. To them, it was nothing. To me, it was like everything. And they don't even remember half the kind things they did for me. And I've I've since thanked them profusely. 
um, as a as a young teen, I was a little socially awkward, and I was so used to like people hating me for no reason that I was kind of afraid to draw attention to all that I thought they were doing for me, because I didn't want them to, you know, you're kind of afraid everyone's going to turn on you. But uh, they were just wonderful, and they still are, and they always will be, and I'll always love them. Hmm. What a what a story here. Now. <clears throat> You 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 had a boyfriend. You, you mentioned that you're an attractive woman. You were doing some modeling, even yourself. Right. Did that play a part in all of this? And and uh, in you know either a your success, you know b your uh, you know ability to get through this. I mean, uh, I can only imagine this attractive, beautiful young woman all of a sudden being put in this precarious situation. And uh, I just tell me how that played in. Your, you know, how did that play in? I mean, you know, like I'm not really sure. Afford makeup, you know, you can't afford makeup, and no, you know, I couldn't new afford clothing. Clothes. Is clothing? I mean, you know, po- rub, I didn't even have a bath towel. You. Huh? Wow. Yeah, I, it's just, um, you know, I didn't know I was pretty because my whole life my parents had always praised me for my brains and my teachers were always like, oh, you know, you test out at genius level, you can do anything you want with your life. And so I never, ever had any doubts about, you know, my intelligence and my abilities, but never once did anyone in my family ever compliment my looks. And, you know, in fact, they used to make fun of how I looked and, you know, I never had anyone, my high school boyfriend was actually a college boy. Uh, he was a brainiac like me. He was only 17, but already in college. But nobody from high school ever asked me out. You know, certainly no one I thought was cute or had a crush on. So I just thought, wow, I must be some kind of ugly. <laughs> and I don't know if you've seen my picture and not to sound conceited because I'm not, but I'm not some kind of ugly. So. <laughs> well, that's for sure. <laughs> to say the very least, in fact, the polar opposite. Well, now, thanks. You know, you 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 mentioned the you know your intelligence level, and you knew that early on. Were you, were you tested right. at a young age and IQ level? Yeah, they really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did it they sense something was you know potentially amazing and wonderful about your intelligence at a young age, and 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 help you with advancement through school or anything, or skipping any grades or. Unfortunately, my parents held me back, and and that drove me bananas. They wanted to promote me ahead, and my parents wouldn't allow it because they were afraid, well, if she fails, we'll look bad. Well, you idiots, they told you I'm a genius. I'm not going to fail. You know, what have I ever failed at anything I've tried? And right. so, but that that was how they were. They were always, you know, my independence when I was babysitting my little brother and being advanced was really handy for them then, but then as I grew into a young woman, then they didn't like it anymore. Hmm. You know, they wanted to turn Do me back like any... into a little girl. Are you pleased with what you've done with your outstanding intelligence and, and, and aptitude? You did this all on your own. It was hard, and, and you didn't have the traditional you know, MBA and, and, you know, Phi Beta Kappa college graduation, you know, uh, top of the class and jump into the investment banking world. And have you ever thought right. about that? You know, what if you had a normal upbringing and, and, and what if you had a different path? Do, do you think about that at all? Um, I, I used to consider it a little bit. I think the only thing I may have possibly missed from college is like the lifelong friendships and bonds that you make. 
-hmm. And so I'm sorry I missed out on that. But otherwise, yes, I'm very pleased with where my life took me. It's always been fun. It's always been an adventure. I have no regrets. And you know what? It really wasn't very hard. I never worked more than like two or three hours a day on any business I had. I really didn't. And no more than four days a week because I didn't want to. If I couldn't find a business that would fit that criteria, I wouldn't do it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and I'm good at problem well, solving, so mm-hmm. it just wasn't that well, hard. Well, I think your story is remarkable. Um, and tell, tell, tell the listeners why you wrote the book and how you think the book can help people that are probably lured to it or at least want to learn more about it that are perhaps on sure. poverty. I mean, maybe that's not your target audience, obviously, but, you know, uh, you know, tell, tell, us, tell us the motivation behind that. Well, the motivation behind the book was the, the bursting of the housing bubble and the horrible recession, which to me is just mm-hmm. another Great Depression that has followed yep. and has lingered and has not yet gone away. And I thought, I had always wanted to write a book, but I never knew about what. And I, I finally thought, this is the what. I know this stuff inside and out. I can teach everyone how to do what I did and get, you know, eradicate poverty worldwide. It's written in language uh, a third to fifth grader could understand, so it's not going to put you to sleep like most business books will after the first page because you have to get a dictionary for every other word. And, uh, you know, it humanizes me, tells you my story, and it also teaches you every minute detail of how to start, grow, sell your business, and retire early. And it teaches you also all the mistakes that I made along the way so that you can avoid them and probably retire a lot sooner than I did. Um, but I, want, I basically wanted to help people, and I wanted to, to share my knowledge. And, and I do a lot of work with streetteens.org to try to help. You know, they, they work with homeless teens, and so I always try to promote their charity. Um, you know, it's caused near and dear to my heart for obvious reasons. I do a lot of animal rescue and, as well. But I, I just want to help people, really. Is the book, would you describe it as, uh, you know, a motivator, you know, with, with regards to I can do it, I can make this happen? Do you understand, you know, perspiration in the necessary elements to rise to the top and no matter what you're working on? I mean, not, not, not all entrepreneurs, I can assure you, you know, work two or three hours a day. Most of them quite the opposite, right? But I agree. Get into the nitty-gritties of your teaching and, and, and how you're helping entrepreneurs understand how to more, more, more effectively rise to the top faster. Uh, well, I have a, a rule of five that if you, if you follow my rule of five business criteria when selecting your business, you have probably about a 99.9% chance of success if you do that and you follow my other advice. If you don't follow my rule of five when selecting your business, you may as well just burn your money or flush it down the toilet because you're either going to fail like most business owners do, you know, that are new entrepreneurs, uh, or you're going to be working 20 hours a day, seven days a week and dying of burnout and wishing you had a regular job again. Um, and that's not the fun way to do it. it I also I, I teach all of this stuff how to how to get businesses that produce residual income, and how you can automate your business so that you can hire somebody to do everything else for you, and you just do nothing but sit home and watch soap operas if you want to, which I did a lot of. <laughs> Tell us about the five core principles that you're 
Okay. Putting forth uh, number one. As a catalyst. Uh, pardon? Go ahead. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. Number one is never have a partner. Number two is never have retail space. Number three is never lack confidence in yourself. Number four is only do a business that produces residual income. And number five is only do a business that allows you to hire someone else who can duplicate your work. Really simple. Yeah, it it sounds simple. But let's take some examples um, that you feel are excellent models that fit that. Could you give us some examples? Sure. Um, Let's see. Uh, My indoor plant business Uh, didn't have a partner. And I certainly have the confidence. I didn't need retail space because I ran it out of my home. And everyone at home has a desk or a laptop or a kitchen table and chair they can use as their quote-unquote home office. Um, Mm -hmm. It produced residual income because when I would get hired with a hotel account or a business account or some wealthy person's home, um, they hire you to come on a weekly basis to take care of their plants. So your service contracts keep renewing if you continue to do a good job, and you can have the same customer for years. Residual income is when you sell them once, but you keep making the money over and over and over. Uh, Mm -hmm. So I sell them once and then send the tech out, and the tech's making me money every month while I'm sitting home watching all my children. (laughs) And uh, 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 the uh, hiring, you know, doing it where you can – hire someone to duplicate your work, that's business automation, where basically you don't work for the business, the business works for you. You want to turn it into a money-making machine where you're not needed. So like, for example, a doctor or a lawyer, they have to be there. Even though they've got paralegals and medical assistants and whatever, they still have to be the supervisor and sign off on everything. Well, I don't want that kind of business. I want a simple enough business where, you know, I can send anyone out there and they can run it for me, like McDonald's, run by teenagers. Same thing, business automation. It's not Ray Kroc out there running every single one. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us about how you learned to market your businesses, uh, obviously an important and critical part to, to growing the business. Was it service that elevated you in referrals, or were you actually out you know, trying to spin and market and advertise and promote these businesses? What's worked and what hasn't worked for you over the years? Well, it depended on the business. For the lingerie, yep. I mean, not, not the, the modeling fashion show business, yep. um, I would go and meet with the, um, the hotel lounge manager, and I would, mm-hmm. you know, dress up all pretty, and, you know, it, it was usually a guy, and I'd bring our portfolio and our references and show them and explain. I'd have a list of all the benefits, so I did a lot of cold calling for that. Uh, mm-hmm. For the pet sitting and the plant business, I just put the smallest one-inch column ad in the yellow pages that I could afford. It was like $100 a month for each ad, and I just sat home and waited for my phone to ring because I really don't like cold calling. I can do it, but I don't enjoy it. And then I also got on, for the hotel accounts, I I contacted all their purchasing departments, you know, and like the airport, when do you do your bids? Put me on your bid list. Here's the information. Um, When I had the nightclub, I did flyers, for like all the local apartments nearby and and that sort of a thing because people who live in apartments are normally single and coming out you know to a nightclub as opposed to houses where it's going to be family and a, a yellow page ad wouldn't have been appropriate for that business so it, it kind of depends on the business but I, I go over all the different ways of marketing in my book as well you know so that you can choose 
what works for your business and what doesn't. You might intuitively know, or you may need to try everything and see, you know, keep track and see what works best. Yeah. Did you have any mentors along the way? Not really. <laughs> I didn't think so. <laughs> that was going to be my answer. <laughs> but you certainly believe there are people out there that you can learn from, yeah? Um, sure. Yeah. And and what what's your take on the online business? Uh, the online business is a challenge for me because I'm just like 10 years too late for that whole computer revolution. I made three wrong bets in life. The metric system I thought would never catch on. MTV I thought would never catch on because musicians are too ugly to be seen on TV. And I thought computers would never catch on because when they started, when I was a kid, it took like an entire room for one computer. Ah, that's never going to catch on. I don't need to learn that. So, um, But hey, guess what? Now I need to learn that, and it, much to my consternation. Uh, so you know, with my book and my business consulting and guest speaking, I have to... I have a I have actually a circle of friends who are very good on computers that I rotate through to help me. Hey, can you help me do this? I don't know how to do that. So, they're good people. Well, make indeed, yes. So you're 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 confident that um that anybody, you know, repeat anybody can mm-hmm. work their way out of 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 a terrible situation of being yes. homeless and find the inner strength and knowledge and, and wisdom they need to navigate into success. Would you would you say that's fair? I, I would say that's absolutely true. If you've got at least a third grade education, if you can scrape together a thousand dollars, which three of my four businesses before I retired only cost me a thousand bucks to start them, and two of them I started on a credit card. So if you can find the money, you know, for that, that's not that much money to come up with. If you have to, get a get a second job, you know, but get the money. It's not that hard to come up with a grand. And uh, then you just have to be persistent. You don't have to be particularly smart or talented. You just have to be persistent. In all my businesses, I have to say I was never the best. You know, like if I compared myself to my competition, I'd say it was good, but I wouldn't say I was the best, but I knew how to market and I knew how to be persistent and I knew how to make money. And I teach all that in my books. I feel like I could talk with you forever, but let's take a quick break, everybody, and back with Amy Elizabeth. Life Tips will be right back after this short break. Rise links and web indexes. Take a bow to the largest link map in the world. Majestic SEO. Majestic SEO wields its virtual sort with speed and accuracy to deliver detailed reports of your company's link data and that of your competition. Let Majestic SEO make you your own king of internet marketers and join the crusade of clients and agencies that have chosen the noble choice for link intelligence. MajesticSEO.com Maximize ROI to use your time and let Majestic Looking for a white-label SEO and social platform for your clients? Think eBrands. Free and unlimited SEO audit reports. eBrands. Premium Facebook apps and welcome page creators. eBrands. Twitter management app, analytics, and mobile site generators. eBrands. 
Let eBrands manage your search and social media campaigns and give you and your clients access to their white label dashboard, which have great reports that will wow your clients and deliver great ROI and results. Try eBrands for 30 days. Go to eBrandsWithAZ.com or call 1-866-625-5717. That's eBrandsWithAZ for eBrands. Johnson, what's this mantis I keep hearing about? Do we need to call an exterminator? No, sir. Moby Mantis is our new SMS marketing tool. SM what? SMS. Text messaging. Moby Mantis lets us communicate directly with our customers in real time. We can send promos, coupons. It even lets our customers market for us by sharing offers with their friends online. It's been great for business. Hmm. Sounds expensive. Actually, I sign us up for an extended free trial. It hasn't cost us a dime. Good work, Johnson. I guess the only thing we'll be exterminating is the competition. To get your free extended trial of Moby Mantis, text RADIO to 21691. That's RADIO to 21691 for Moby Mantis. You have arrived at the destination for education and entertainment. WebmasterRadio.fm Because not everyone's last name is Gates. WebmasterRadio.fm We're everywhere. And now back to Life Tips. Making your life smarter, better, faster, and wiser. Here are your hosts. Amy, welcome back. Would you say that you just, you had something inside you that would almost make it impossible to fail? Like like you had a barometer or a compass inside you that if you sensed something was going wrong, you knew to pull out or make the right decision. Would you, would you, would you, could you expand upon that possibility? Yeah, I would say that's a, a very good way to put it. Um, I'm kind of like, uh, well, for example, when I was a young girl, I got a kite and I couldn't learn to fly it. From like three, four years old, I couldn't figure out the kite. When I was 12, I finally mastered the kite and then I lost interest. So almost everything came so easy to me. It's only the things that have been hard that keep my interest. And on all my businesses, once, you know, I love the setup. I love the, the, the growing of them. And then once they start making me too much money, this is going to sound insane, but I get bored. Mm-hmm. And I want to sell, sell them and try something new. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's what I do. Yeah. So, you know, it's, Did you get uh, good but, yeah, I can't stand to fail. Pardon? Yeah. Did you get good at brokering businesses? I mean, did that become a, a, a challenge for you, A, and then B, sort of, you know, you get a bug for that. You know, you start a business, you sell it. You start another one, you sell it. You know, it's Yeah, it's it's that, it's um, sort of like real estate. Your first real estate deal, you don't really know what you're doing, and you're scared, and what am I signing, and what does all this language mean? And, you know, then after your 10th deal, you're like, I'll be in and out of escrow in five minutes. It's the same thing with the business right. broker. The first time, it's scary, and then after that, it's like, yeah, here you go. These are the important boxes that I need to say thus and such and otherwise I know it's boilerplate and let's go. Are so, you living in Las Vegas now? Yes, I am. Do you gamble? No, I do not. I only want to earn my not money. Not at once. all. Not at all. <laughs> That's interesting. I was I was <laughs> dying to ask game. that question. It's a fool's game, game, she says. All right. Yes. There's <laughs> a reason day. that everything is so pretty and so neon and there's comps and it's all stacked in the house's favor. Chances of you being the one to win mega bucks, I think you have a better chance of, you know, getting struck by lightning. Mm-hmm. And if you win mega bucks, you may just get struck by lightning because a lot of those winners seem to die or get in terrible accidents. 
<laughs> Not there that is, I'm saying there's there any corruption or anything about, in town. <laughs> <laughs> there is something exciting. There is something exciting about visiting Las Vegas, though. Can you see gambling from that perspective and the fun of coming to Vegas and you know setting your limit of I'm going to go blow five hundred dollars or a thousand dollars? I mean, or are you no, so against the, it? Does your brain say that is wrong? Don't do it. Exactly, it does. I mean, people are like, oh, I blew 800 bucks in Vegas. I'm like, and you're proud of that? You, <laughs> you could have spent it on this. You could have invested it for your retirement. You could have you know, bought new tires for your car. Are you, you're proud of this? I mean, if you, if you spent $800 and maybe you went to nice dinners and saw some good shows and you – yeah, I mean, if you look at it as entertainment money, like spending money mm-hmm. to go to the movies, and you're okay with losing it, and you can afford to lose it, then, you know, that's your business. But I think it's stupid. Mm-hmm. You know, because I right. can get just as big of a rush playing cards at home for chips. For me, it's not mm-hmm. the money, it's the bragging rights. Right, right. Of right. winning. Yeah, that's it. Well, it wouldn't be the beautiful city uh, that it is without a lot of really dumb people going out there knowing the odds exactly. against them. So, <laughs> exactly. Perhaps, That's so true. Perhaps Las Vegas is thankful for that in some strange way. I'm sure reason. that they are. I'm sure that they are. And there's nothing prettier than flying into McCarran Airport at night with all the lights you know, underneath you. Well, it's been a joy talking with you, Amy, and hearing about the incredible story that you have. Thanks so much for being a guest on the show. Oh, well, thank you for having me, Byron. It was a real pleasure, and I enjoyed speaking with you, too. I have one final question. Do you, who sure. do you want to get a hold of you, and how can people buy your book? Um, anyone can get a hold of me, and they can buy my book in any number of ways off my website at www.amyelizabeth.net, and Amy is spelled A-I-M-E-E. They can buy it on Amazon. They can buy it on barnesandnoble.com or borders.com or through Ingram or Baker and Taylor. Uh, pretty much you can find it anywhere. Key in Poverty Sucks, How to Become a Self-Made Millionaire, and it'll pop up and take you where you need to go. Terrific. And um, if people wanted to reach out to you for speaking engagements or consulting, how can they do uh, that then they would, on your website? Then they would need to, yeah, then they'd have to go to the website, which again is www.aimee. E-L-I-Z-A-B-E-T-H dot net. And there's a contact. And I'm curious about that name, Amy Elizabeth. It's almost like that's your middle first name and middle name. Is that possible? Um, Anything's possible. (laughs) Ah, I like it. I like it. (laughs) Very good. Perfect scenario. (laughs) Showing you incredible intelligence. (laughs) Like that answer, did you? (laughs) I did. I did. Spot on. Well, thanks again for being on the show, Amy. Thank you so much, Byron. Have a great day. Sure. You you too. Thanks again for tuning in, everybody. Until next week, I hope your life's a little smarter, better, faster, and wiser. Thanks for tuning in. This has been a presentation of WebmasterRadio.fm, the world's largest business-to-business radio and podcast network. We welcome you to sample past episodes of this program, as well as our complete library of programs, on demand or on the air via our 24-7 live audio stream at www.WebmasterRadio.fm. The opinions expressed on this program 
are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.